Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. The Silver Lake area is known for sand dunes, but did you know they're also proud of their apples? You'll find out why at the Apple and Barbecue Festival. Concerts are back at Meyer Gardens, and they have a huge lineup that you'll want to enjoy. The Starline Ferry Service is ready to take you to the island, and you have plenty of places to taste the local difference of locally sourced foods. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and I sure am glad that you are along with us today as we take a ride all around the great state of Michigan to tell you about some really cool things that you should consider doing this summer as you travel this year. We're also just so happy to be able to be back out there again, so we might as well uh, spend a little time, maybe a little money as well, as we travel around here in Pure Michigan. Let's get uh, our friends and neighbors back to work, and let's get our businesses going as well. And at the same time, let's have a heck of a lot of fun. And so I can't think of a better way to uh, combine uh, all those uh, attributes together than by going over to the Silver Lake Heart area and bringing in my friend Scott Beal. He is the executive director of the Silver Lake Visitors Bureau. Scott, uh, when you think of um, economic activity uh, mixed in with a heck of a lot of fun, you think sand dunes because <laughs> man it, it is a, a heck of a lot of fun how's the summer been going it's been a great summer so far it's been busier than normal as everybody gets out and about and uh, after obviously being at home a lot last year and uh, so everybody's excited. Yeah, I know it. I know they are. Uh, and I know, you know, last summer people were able to get out there, but there was more hesitation out there uh, last year because of COVID. Now that we know everybody's been getting their vaccine, uh, vaccinate, uh, vaccinations, I should say. And if you've not had yours yet, please consider that because, man, it's such a freeing thing. It's allowing us to uh, get our lives back. So let's let's consider that. Uh, so um, let's quickly talk about some of those sand dune experiences. I do want to talk about the Apple and Barbecue Festival, of course, coming up in September. But um, in addition to uh, all those people who bring their own sand dune uh, buggies out there, there are a lot of other ways you can get on the sand, right? There sure is. You have the uh, rental ORVs that you can uh, reserve and rent ahead of time uh, to go out and drive yourself out on the dunes. You can also go to the pedestrian area where you can hike all the way to Lake Michigan. It's only a mile, but it is uh, through the sand and the pedestrian area is very popular. And then of course the Macwoods Dune Rides is the third area of the Sand Dunes State Park. And uh, that's been in business now 91 years. 91 years. I can't believe it. And, you know, I think about my earliest 
memory of being in that area, and it has to do with Mac Woods. That's the one that's not only been around there for a long time, but they, they just are so good at giving you this combination of entertainment and education and uh, a better appreciation for nature. It's it's really fantastic. So uh, people need to head out there. I, I would suppose the state park has been uh, just a bit busy this summer. <laughs> yes, the state park is uh, last year even set a record for visitation and they feel like they'll exceed that this year. Yeah, I one think quick, they think they will. Yeah. One quick thing about Mac Woods I forgot is uh, this year because of the lower water levels they're able to stop at Lake Michigan um, and let the people see the visitors see the Lake Michigan area right at the shoreline and then they're also st still stopping at the top of the dunes to get the gray aerial photos. Oh, that's, that's cool to hear uh, because that is really one of the more popular kind of stops along the way, so to speak, on the Mac Woods ride. I was doing that one time with a group of Germans, some travel riders, and we came onto the beach and we tipped the uh, wheels in the water just a little bit, just for a little spray. And just at that moment, a bald eagle flew over to uh, to meet us along the way, it was special, you know, because you never know what you're gonna you know, what you're gonna experience. So, hey, we better get to um, the Apple and Barbecue Festival because that's coming up very soon. Your area, uh, in among you know, in addition to being known for sand dunes, it's also known because of a, a big agriculture area, asparagus, apples, and such. And um, you have your big Apple and Barbecue Festival coming up the 10th and 11th of se September. Tell us about it. Well, the Apple and Barbecue Festival uh, has kind of three components. One is the uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society barbecue competition. And so that is very popular for folks to observe and see the pro competitors from around the Midwest. And then you have the uh, Saturday, you have the craft fair with over 100 booths. And we close the main street in Silver Lake to allow everybody to uh, see all the exhibits and then, of course, you also have the uh, food vendors with uh, all specializing in barbecue, along with the um, live entertainment and the apple pie competition is all the different bakers from around the area submit their pies for the competition. You know, if you look for a, a judge, you know where to go for those apple pies. I have experience. So, you know, but when it comes to the barbecue, I've never figured that out. So uh, one of the things you can do, can you actually talk to these pros or any of the others who are there to kind of get advice on how to be a better barbecuer? You sure can. You, you are able to talk to them and interact with them, watch their techniques if you want to. And um, especially, especially with the... Uh, uh, amateur competitors, uh, they are great about sharing recipes and information, obviously a little less intense for the amateur competition. Now, uh, the uh, pros, are they um, cooking up just on one day or they, they uh, are out there both, both days? Yep, they're out there all day Friday and Saturday because uh, they all submit four different meats. So hmm. it, takes, it really does take them all day Friday and part of Saturday to smoke or barbecue or grill, whatever you want to call mm. it, uh, there are four meats. Yep. Well, I'm already getting hungry. Can't wait uh, for that Apple and Barbecue Festival coming up September 10th and 11th over at the Silver Lake Dunes Heart area. And for more information, what's the website to go to, Scott? It's thinkdunes.com. Thinkdunes.com. Might also want to go to Apple BBQ Festival. 
Scottbeal.com for more. Absolutely. Thanks to Scott Beal. Appreciate it. And we're going to head up to a Mackinac next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. One of my favorite places in all of Michigan is actually one of your favorite places as well. Uh, Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park in Grand Rapids just happens to be the second most popular attraction in the state. Of course, how do you beat the Henry Ford? <laughs> Henry Ford, Greenfield Village, and and uh, you know everything else that they have going over there is our number one attraction. But over in West Michigan, there's this fantastic place that uh, I'm sure you've come to know because of the sculpture, because of all the art and uh, the uh, wonderful gardens, but there's also a really fantastic concert venue there, and to tell us all about that, let's bring in John Vanderhagen. He's the Director of Communications for Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. Uh, John, uh, I have to tell you, we were just talking before we went on the air, I don't know if I've been to the new concert facility since they expanded it, so let's yeah. let's talk about the entire complex for a minute, and sure. then tell me tell me about you know the new concert venue and what, what you have available there. Yeah, yeah. For for folks like you, Dave, who haven't visited in a while, it is a completely reimagined, completely different experience. So um, several years ago, we um, kind of looked at all aspects of our guest experience and noticed that there were several pinch points and really asked ourselves if we're going to continue to grow, continue to be such a gem for um, this side of the state, for the state as a whole, and really for visitors from all over the world, what can we do to really improve what we've got, improve our offerings, and, and take a look at everything from top to bottom? So we, um, about four years ago, underwent a uh, the beginning of some long-term planning and started a campaign called Welcoming the World, Honoring a Legacy of Love, which has added several new buildings, new tram station, new education center, a brand new welcome center, which we did a soft opening of this January, but also what guests come to know and love in the summer uh, some significant expansion and renovation of our Frederick Meyer Gardens Amphitheater. So we've added some um, additional concession space, additional restrooms, some additional space on the lawn for folks to spread out. But this is truly a gem of an outdoor venue. Um, tiered lawn seating. We've got a world-class sculpture collection in the background. Um, easy, free parking. So it's really, uh, you know, I'm a little biased, but it's my favorite place to see a summer show outside under the stars. Uh, and we've got a great lineup this summer. We're about uh, uh, halfway through our season already uh, and several great shows still coming up. Well, you know, that tiered lawn setting is becoming very popular as a concert venue um, setup. I know, like, for, for instance, in Grand Haven, uh, near yeah. where I live, yeah. uh, that's that's being used now. And I think your facility may have been one of the first major concert venues to have that type of a, a setting in West Michigan. So Yeah, it's, yeah it's definitely. Yeah, it's yeah it has. It has. And I, I love the new Waterfront Stadium out there in yeah. Grand Haven. They yeah. looked to us. I think they had folks come and, and visit 
visit our site to see how that is done. So yeah, it's a great way to see a show. You're not um, kind of on a steep lawn like some other venues. Uh, a great place to kind of lay out a blanket or a low-rise beach chair, enjoy a picnic dinner and some wonderful entertainment in front of you. And uh, wonderful entertainment you have been having uh, this summer. It's just so great to see live performances back. What are some of the shows we can look forward to yet this year? Here we are, uh, mid-August. Uh, uh, what do we have coming up yet? Yeah, yeah. So um, some of the shows still yet on the docket, uh, mid-August and beyond. We've got Squeeze coming on the 22nd. <laughs> we've got St. Paul and the Broken Bones on the 27th. Uh, and then into September, which because of COVID this year, we adjusted our schedule. We started later and we're going deeper into the fall. So typically we'd be wrapping our, our series around Labor Day, but this year we go all the way through September 19th. So some of the great shows yet coming up in September, uh, Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue, which is always a highlight of my summer. They just put on a fantastic, energetic show. Well, well we, we have to, you know, because you, you start throwing out names like Squeeze. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I, I don't even know what the, the genre is for these, these yeah, performers. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so Squeeze is a great, um, you know, I think they were biggest in the 70s, but we try to provide a nice mix of some older acts. We had the Beach Boys earlier this year. Yeah. Um, we try to have some newer acts like St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Uh, we try to get some indie acts like Shaky Gray, um, we've got OAR, which is unfortunately sold out already, but they're kind of a, a younger rock band. Mm. Um, a, a really interesting show that I'm really thrilled to see coming up on September 12th is Black Violin and Blind Boys of Alabama. Wow. Um, we've also got 90s favorites, Toad the Wet Sprocket on the 15th. Oh. Um, Lettuce and Galactic, which are some kind of younger jam bands coming up to wrap our series on September, September 19th. So we try to provide, you know, something for everybody, a nice mix of old new returning favorites to our stage and then uh, acts that haven't played here before. Well, that, that's such a smart thing to do. You, you know, I, I suppose I would generally assume that in a gardens setting like yours, uh, that you would really kind of lean more toward the, the symphonies and, you know, kind of the, the traditional type of, I guess, older forms of music. Yeah. But you've really yeah. mixed it up. That's a pretty cool idea. We, yeah, we really do. And again, you know, we're trying to provide a, a nice broad mix for everybody. So originally our amphitheater was built with the thought of um, just symphony shows. Um, we had a few symphony shows early on years and years ago, but then um, they left and went to Cannonsburg for a while to do their summer picnic pops, but we were thrilled to bring them back to our stage. We had three wonderful shows with the symphony to kick off our season uh, this year in July and really are excited to continue that kind of partnership with, with some other local cultural organizations. Um, so yeah, we, we love the symphony. We had a, a nice mix of uh, not only a symphony solo show, uh, but they also pray, played with Preservation Hall Jazz Band and Pink Martini. Um, so we try to do some fun things. We also, um, during our Tuesday Evening Music Club, which is local and regional acts, we also have the ballet perform for one of those shows. Oh, so, how cool. You know, we, yeah, we try to do a, a lot of different things other than just kind of a standard uh, symphony show that people, like you said, might expect from a gardens and sculpture park. Well, for folks who haven't been there yet, um, because you have the, the kind of the lawn-tiered setup, do people yeah. bring their own chairs or do they you know, bring a blanket, sit on the ground? How, how's yeah. the setup there? Yep, so folks are welcome to do whatever they like. We do have chair height restrictions, so 32 inches from the top of the chair, 12 inches from the front of the chair, um, just so that sight lines can be maintained for everybody. Mm, yeah. um, folks are welcome to bring a blanket and spread that out. 
What also makes us a little bit unique is that people can bring a picnic dinner. Uh, they can bring non-alcoholic beverages. The only regulation there is no glass. We don't want anything dropped oh, and somebody to, to nick a foot and, and uh, ruin their experience that way. But yeah, we, are, we welcome people to bring their own food, their own drinks, non-alcoholic drinks. But we also have a wonderful um, concessions building that was part of our recent renovation and expansion as well. So, nice. Um, yeah, so we've got great food available here. We've got um, beer, wine, mixed drinks for sale on site, um, but just truly a great place to see a show. Uh, easy to get in and out off the East Belt Line. Uh, no sitting in the parking lot for an hour waiting hmm. to get out. It's it's truly a great place to, to see a concert here in the summer. Yeah, and uh, so the seating is first come, first serve type of it is, situation? Yep. Yeah. yep, so everything on the lawn is general admission. We sell 1,900 seats um, for each show, and that allows plenty of room to spread out um, um, on that lawn and, and, and enjoy the show. That sounds great, John. Uh, can't wait to uh, see that myself the summer into the fall. I know the website is MeyerGardens.org for more information. But before we let you go, John, I want to find yeah. out a little bit about, I've heard about the uh, the new Holocaust statue that's coming in pretty soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this be installed next year? Exactly. So this is a wonderful um, gift and acquisition that we just recently announced um, towards the tail end of June. But we're thrilled to be receiving uh, a piece by Ariel Schlesinger called Ways to Say Goodbye. Uh, this gift is in, in partnership with a donation from uh, our friends at the Jewish Federation of Grand Rapids who set up um, this gift to really establish the first Holocaust memorial in Grand Rapids. So we're working on a site placement plan right now. We want to make sure that this beautiful new piece is accessible and uh, visible from our tram tours uh, but really not in addition to, to just another piece of beautiful sculpture which is what we do um, you know all the time this is really going to be a teaching moment and a, a memorial moment for those um, who uh, who wish to learn a little bit more about um, the Holocaust about why we're, we're um, dedicating this in memory and we really can't be uh, more happy to bring this to folks coming up in 2020 well, it's important uh, to, to enjoy the sculpture, but also to learn from them. And, uh, you know, I remember years ago uh, when I first saw the, the piece of the uh, the Berlin Wall thinking the same thing. So yeah. it's just fantastic to see Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park continue to grow and prosper. And those concerts are underway. So make sure to check it out, MeyerGardens.org. And our thanks to John Vanderhagen for being with us today. We're going to head up to Mackinac Island to check out the ferry service there next here on Travel Michigan, where you trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We are ready to head up north, aren't we? And when you think about heading up north, it's more than just a saying here in Michigan. Sometimes we literally do it as well, go up north. One of the places you're going to likely want to head to is Mackinac Island. And why wouldn't you? My gosh, Mackinac Island's been around as a tourist mecca for many years. And when I think about Pure Michigan, and uh, the travel industry, I can't help but think about Mackinac Island as kind of about, uh, about being kind of like the center of all that is travel. It's that important to us. And how do you get to the island? Well, you can fly, I suppose. The uh, flight from St. Ignace is like a carnival ride. <laughs> I actually like it. It's got a lot of fun. But um, most people will get there by ferry. So uh, people have been using the Starline Ferry for many, many years. Let's find out what's happening at the Starline Ferry.
Ferry today by bringing in Jerry Fetty. He is the CEO of the Starline Ferry. Jerry, how's it going up there this summer? Hi, Dave. Uh, so far, it's going great. Our weather has been awesome. And the summer, you know, got off, as you know, to a, a super start, and it's just rolling along, and we're all having a great time up here. Well, uh, you know, people, just like with everything else right now, people are just desperate to travel. They're desperate to get back out there and to live their lives fully and as we're meant to live them. And, you know, last year was such a weird year. I know it was still a busy year for you, but it was it was different. So now that all those restrictions are, are gone, I suspect people are going to be thrilled to be on the ferries and I know the rules go back and forth so sometimes because of federal rules you might have to wear a mask you just never know so um, how do people find out what the latest rules are uh, for Starline Ferry well they can find out uh, simply by coming on our docks and uh, we have signage up of what the current rules are or our dock staff uh, are really happy to help and, and let them know what the current rules are we currently see that they are getting relaxed a little bit, and we look forward to that. And uh, I just ask that uh, people check the signs or ask when they get on the docks just to make sure uh, we're all in compliance and, uh, and they have a great time. Well, and you know, that's a big part of, you know, being prepared uh, mentally and with knowledge. And, and also, you know, we have to mention it uh, before we get to the fun stuff that, um, you know, everybody's having problems getting employees these days. So I suspect you're also kind of running into that and maybe running into some issues with, um, you know, maybe some delays or such. I mean, it's just the way of life right now, right? Yep, that is true. And uh, I'm actually out on the dock right now, so you might hear some sounds in the background. Yeah. But that that's true. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate. We have a lot of uh, good folks that return every year. But we, we need a lot of uh, people in the, the summertime especially to come and help out. And it's been, you know, it's been a challenge to really get as many people as we want. And we really haven't had any delays, but sometimes it just means changing our schedule a little bit uh, to accommodate things. And uh, we certainly make sure that our core boats uh, and especially uh, some of the fun boats like the pirate ship are always running on their schedule. So it's been a challenge, but so far, you know, we've been able to, to work it out and make it happen. Well, I want to ask you about that pirate ship, but first, let's talk about um, the Starline Ferry. Uh, for folks who might not have ever been on Starline, give us a little history, because you actually merged with the old Ar Arnold Line as well. So um, you have those, those cool old boats to offer and some new ones as well. That is correct. So Starline officially was founded in 1977 uh, here in St. Ignace, and then the next year we started service up in uh, Mackinac City, and we have the, the hydrojet boats. Uh, we're well known for our fishtail yeah. behind the boat. You can't miss us out there on the lake. And in uh, 2016, uh, we basically purchased all of the assets of Arnold Line and merged them in, as you said, uh, with our existing fleet. So we combined not only the classic uh, ferries, as we call them here, uh, into our fleet, but as well all of the, the history uh, that Arnold Line had, to, had built up over the years, and they have been running since 1878. So that not only did it mean that we bought the, uh, the ferries, but we also acquired the, the main dock on the island, which has been there for over 200 years. It's the largest dock on the island. It's a 
pretty cool place to walk around and check out mm -hmm. and docks in both St. Ignace and in uh, Mackinac City as well so we we actually have uh, a lot of docks which makes it convenient from both areas to have your choice of where you would like to depart from and on the island we have two docks as well including that historical main dock that's right there in the center of town. Now, when you arrive, um, most likely, pe most people are going to arrive either in Mackinac City or in St. Ignace to uh, take the ride over. What's the, um, what's the process? Do you park right there? Do you park in a remote lot? Um, you know, how do people work all those details out? Sure. So every location is a little bit different, but essentially you just pull onto the dock. We will have a greeter there who will say hello and ask if you're heading over for the day or if you're going to stay overnight on the island. And depending on how you're traveling, if you're going to stay overnight, they'll send you up to the luggage tent where you can check your baggage and choose your parking options up there. Uh, we do have valet parking available. We have on-site premium dockside parking where you can park right on the dock next to the boats. Or in all areas, we have uh, overnight and basically free parking and free overnight parking, which is across the road from both of our docks. So it's still very convenient. You can walk across the road or we have trams and shuttle buses running that will pick you up and carry you back across if you, you need some help getting over. Well, I know right now you're operating at uh, peak schedule, uh, but people should still go to MackinawFerry.com, Mackinaw with a C, Ferry.com, to look at that schedule uh, to make sure they, you know, get on that uh, ride they want to want to get on. How much um, how much in advance should they arrive if they were scheduling, uh, you know, at a, a top of the hour or whatever? Uh, how much time before that should they allow themselves to make sure they're on there comfortably? Well, it it depends on again if they're staying overnight and they have luggage to unload, or if they're just going over for the day. But I would recommend at a minimum if you're going over for the day, at least 20 minutes earlier before your the selected boat if it's a busy time of year like right now um, I would say get there at least uh, 30 to 40 minutes earlier and if you have luggage you know you want to make that about the same because you're going to pull in you'll check your luggage with our, our porters there on the dock and then uh, go find your parking spot and, and then get in line and the way we run our boats is they are first come first serve so there's no pre-scheduled for a particular uh, departure unless you're going to be on a pirate ship which is different you basically just get in line and you get on the boat and our boats we have a lot of them running uh, this time of year during peak season we have a, a vessel leaving every 15 minutes out of our Mackinac City location and the vessels most of them hold over 300 people so we can really you know clean the line up real fast as we call it you know if there's a line there you know when the vessel comes in it'll fill up pretty quick and head to the island so about 30 minutes 30 to 40 minutes would be the recommendation yeah i usually get there about 45 minutes ahead of time just you know it helps with my attitude i'm trying to encourage everybody to be patient and kind and so i found out if i'm going to do that i'm going to give myself plenty of time just to make sure i'm uh, living up to what i'm asking other people to do now you mentioned the the pirate ship i have to ask you about that because i haven't been on it yet want to get on that thing it looks like families have a great time tell us about that Yes, they do. So the, the, our pirate ship is called the Good Fortune. It comes to us from Pensacola, Florida, and uh, we've had it on the dock now for two years, and the families really enjoy it. It was here in 2017 under different ownership, and they rented space on our dock to do cruises out in the Straits. They didn't take people to the island, and when 
ever I was on the dock and I saw families walking by it, I'd always see the kids looking over there and go grabbing, tugging on their mom and dad's hands and saying, hey, there's a pirate ship, a pirate ship. And, and people would you know, ask, hey, how do we take the pirate ship to the island? And, and I would have to tell them that it doesn't go to the island, it just does cruises. And I, I probably did that about 10,000 times, literally, in, in 2017. So it took me a little while to figure it out. But eventually an idea sparked in our heads. It's like, hey, can't we take people to the island with the pirate ship? So we got the opportunity in uh, 2020 to purchase it, and we did, and we put it on the run, and it's been a marvelous success. Uh, not only do the kids love going on the boat, but adults love it too. And and sometimes I have parents ask me, like, Jerry, how, how do you guys get the kids to mop the floor? Because we have them swap the decks when they're on the on the boat. And we can't get them to do that at home, and they just love it. And, and we do a number of other pirate piratey activities, you know, on the way over to the island as well. And Dave, if you come up to ride it, we're happy to take you on there. But you're going to have to talk like a pirate, yeah, uh, and able to board. I'll bring my mop and uh, see if I can help out. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I will talking about needing extra help. I mean, <laughs> we could put you to work right away. Yeah, I bet. I bet you would. And actually, you know, it does sound like fun. Uh, the families that you can just tell they're having a great time, and kids are often dressed up as pirates, and uh, it's just it's just a, it's a great idea that you're bringing them to the island and the ship as well. Only a couple seconds, Jerry. Um, now, um, are you going under the bridge in any of your ferries right now? Yes, we are. All of our ferries do go over the, under the bridge, excuse me, at different times during the day. Uh, so if you look at the schedule, you can figure out which ones do. We actually added some under the Mackinac Bridge trips on the Pirate Ship and on the Classics this year as well. Well, that's an experience uh, to enjoy as well, either on the ferry or the pirate ship. I love it all. You will as well. Go to the website to find out more. It's MackinawFerry.com. Make sure to say hi to Jerry Fetty, CEO of the Starline Ferry Service. We're going to head to uh, downstate Grand Rapids area next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We continue to uh, be so happy to be able to get out again and uh, live our lives normally. Uh, what a great summer it has been to be able to do that. And I hope as you've been traveling around, you have been doing something that I like to do, and that is looking for restaurants who go out of their way to locally source their food for you. And I'll tell you why uh, by bringing in our next guest. Tell you why that's so important. Let's bring in Trisha Phelps. She is the CEO of an organization called Taste the Local Difference. Uh, Trisha, I think you're in the Traverse City area, aren't you? Yes, I am physically located in Traverse City area, but we have staff all across the state of yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I bet you do, because yeah. this, this is a subject that uh, all of us should be paying a little more attention to, and that is sourcing our foods from uh, local places. And it's not just because of the economic benefit, even though there is some great economic benefit, but there are a lot of reasons why we want to encourage that. Why don't you talk about your organization, how it came about, and why it's so important to at least attempt to locally source our foods. Absolutely. Uh, so Taste the Local Difference is Michigan's local food marketing agency. Um, and we've been around since 2004. 
We, we represent about 2,500 local farms and food businesses across the state. Um, and our mission is really to educate consumers about the value of local food and support those local food entrepreneurs in, in finding new markets for their, their products. So growing that demand for local food. Now, that, that should be a, a relatively easy thing to do here in Michigan. I know we're the second most diverse state when it comes to uh, the variety of agricultural products available to us. Uh, I, I know we can't, you know, we can't make pineapples, we can't make coffee, sure. but we can no make a, a lot of things or <laughs> lemons, but there are a lot of other things that we can produce. Uh, now, um, tell us, basically, give us some examples of ways that that we can make sure that our, our food products are are coming from Michigan or at least from the region? Sure. Um, so things we recommend people do is, is, of course, visit a local farmer's market. That's, that's a really easy um, way to identify local food near you. Um, we've got lists of farmer's markets all across the state that you can, can find on our website. Um, but go to your local market or one you're, you're visiting nearby in Michigan um, and talk to the farmers, get to know them a little bit better, ask them about their practices, ask them how they got into farming. Uh, farmers are often kind of the, the best experts in storage tips mm. for, for produce too. So it's a great um, way to get to know them and, and way to um, kind of up your game in, in the produce storage department. Um, another example we give is of course, as you said at the top, um, visiting local restaurants and asking about their sourcing. Um, there's a lot of Michigan restaurants that are going out of their way to source local Michigan ingredients. Um, and asking about it helps explain to them, helps to communicate to them rather, the value of that commitment that they're making to sourcing local. So if you're asking about it, if you're asking about the, the specific dish that has a local produce item in it, um, asking about where they specifically get their, their ingredients from, all of that helps to communicate that it's important to you, um, which means it's important to them too. So that would be my other suggestion. Yeah, of course, farmers markets are easy to find this time of year, but not year round and that does bring up that whole issue about how you um you can kind of store various food products that are locally produced for you know so-called off-season use sure. um you know is it is it mostly a freezing thing where people freeze things or is it you know locations where some of these uh, products are stored yeah, so I, I would say freezing and canning are probably the, the number one and two um, ways that people store produce. Um, but also, you know, we've got a lot of farmers who have made investments in things like hoop houses that help to extend that um, seasonal availability of fresh produce too. You know, we've got some farms up here in northern Michigan that have tomatoes in May because they have those tomatoes protected in heated hoop houses, um, which also, again, helps to extend that season and make it more widely available for us. That's a neat idea. Well, Tricia, I don't know if you know, I used to work for the Meyer Corporation, and so I would um, kind of hang out with the uh, the buyers a lot, and uh, they would show me, um, you know, ways that that big companies like Meyer and Kroger and others store 
in their big warehouses various products and um, you know ways that that they can sell products that may not be in season uh-huh. to us. Uh, I've always been very impressed with that. But I'm also impressed with the fact that I know Meyer and Kroger and some others they go out of their way to try to uh, buy products you know from the state in which the stores uh, are located. Uh, so I, I look for uh, locally uh, sourced foods in that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of retailers that are are making those commitments again because their consumers or their customers are are asking for it. So I really encourage folks um, if you like seeing local products in your store, comment about it and make sure people know that that's really important to you because um, the only the only way they'll continue buying is if you continue buying as well. Now, most people, you know, in springtime, they uh, they might want to go to a, a U-Pick and maybe find strawberries. But yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a good example of a product that might only be around, you know, in this area a certain time. Sure. And then most people will go to the store and they'll get their strawberries and never know it may come from Mexico or California or whatever. Um, and I've always wondered, you know, what the cost of freshness and literally the cost to the environment it is to to ship those products all across the country, all across the world. And that that's part of the reason you want to have people locally source foods, right? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, our typical American meals travel an average of 1,500 miles to get from the farm or the location they were um, grown to your plate. And so that's a, that's a huge distance, a huge environmental impact, um, you know, fuel impact, and and as you said, again, at the top, um, an economic impact when we're sourcing things um, more locally. Yeah, of course, I want to support our local farmers. That's my uh, major reason to try to find uh, locally produced foods. But, you know, all these other issues are important as well. Now, on your website, which is localdifference.org, I believe, uh, do you, do you uh, kind of detail some of this stuff and maybe direct people to places they can go to find uh, locally sourced foods? Yep, you got it. We've got a um, find food and farms function on the database where you can search Michigan local farms, um, farmers markets, restaurants, etc. that are sourcing locally. And you can use the search function to search by a keyword or a product or even a growing practice. If you're um, committed to organics or something of that nature, you can find a specific farm with a specific product near you. No, and I... oh, sorry, we've also... Yeah. We've also, Dave, got something that I think will help a lot of folks um, with that seasonality question you mentioned. Um, if you go to localdifference.org forward slash seasonality guides, um, you can find our Grown in Michigan seasonality guide with um, all fruit and vegetable products that are available um, spring, summer, fall, winter. And you can find one both in English and in Spanish on that site. Fantastic to know. Of course, uh, people should uh, know before they go in every way. So one of the uh, ways you can learn all about this is by going to that website, localdifference.org, and learn more and uh, do your best to support our local farmers. And, of course, all the commodity groups, you know, the potato farmers, the apple farmers, and whatever, and even our, our wineries and craft beer places, they all have their websites and such, and you can find a lot of uh, their contacts uh, through Michigan.org as well. So, Tricia Phelps, CEO of Taste the Local Difference, thanks for being with us today. Let me drop that website one more time for Tricia. It is localdifference.org. Thanks for being here. 
Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for Travel Michigan this week. It seems like every week this uh, program just gets quicker and quicker. So I hope you can join us next week right here as we travel all around the state, give you some ideas of places to go as well. Right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Let's go traveling.